Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I'm Ray. We've got terrible weather here on the south coast of the UK. Absolutely awful. The whole of June rained. Now we're well into July and we've got gale force winds as well as rain. I mean, where's the summer? Someone said, oh, well, September's often quite nice. I know that, but September's only four weeks. So, um, yeah, we might have a four-week summer this year. Four weeks out of 52. Anyway, I mustn't moan. Yes, I must. That's what I'm here for, raise rants. Now, here's an idea. Gold diggers. I just want to say before we start, gold diggers. Normally, money grabbers, gold diggers. You think of a female, don't you? A girl, a woman, after what she can get financially, you know. But as you will discover towards, uh, well, later on in the episode, not all gold diggers are female. I knew a chap and it involved a car. Anyway, I'll tell you about that later. So let's get into this episode all about gold diggers. I've had an email from Malcolm. Hello, Malcolm. And he said, all these girls you went out with, were there any money grabbers, any gold diggers, anything like that? Well, actually, Malcolm, funny you should say that. Yes, there were one or two that uh, I suppose fit that description, Um, money grabbers, gold diggers. There was a girl, I'm going to call her Lucy, because that was her name. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Sorry, it wasn't her name, but I I shall call her Lucy to protect the guilty, because she was guilty. My local pub wasn't far from where I lived, hence it was my local. (laughs) And uh, I was a regular there. There were a few of us. There were, what, six, seven, eight of us that were regulars. We were always in there. Well, not every single night, but weekends. We weren't alcoholics or anything. So we all all met up in their weekends. We we weren't sort of best of friends. We were just acquaintances, really. And there was this girl, Lucy. She'd been going out with one of the people in the pub, not one of our lot, but this other chap. And she'd been going out with him for, for some weeks, from what I understood. And she dumped him. And he wasn't very happy, you know how word gets round. He'd lent her £50. And he wasn't very happy because as soon as she got the money, within a couple of days, she dumped him. And, of course, he didn't get his £50 back, and he was not happy. £50 back then was quite a lot of money. You go back to the the 60s, I think this must have been the 70s. It was quite a lot of money. It's not a, a piddling amount these days, is it? 50 quid, you know, it's worth having. Anyway, he wasn't happy. Now, this Lucy, she was known to be a bit of a flirt. She used to dump people, go out with someone and then dump them. She would two-time people. And you're thinking, well, why did people bother with her? I'll tell you why. She was stunning. She was absolutely beautiful. She, I don't know, she wore brilliant clothes. She looked good. Her hair was lovely. She was absolutely stunning. Uh, That's why people fell for it. They went out with her. She then went out with this other chap, someone else in the pub. Not that I I didn't know again, just, I mean, I knew him to say hello to. And she went out with him for a while and she dumped him. Now, I don't know what happened between them, but uh, she dumped him and he wasn't very happy. And I guessed and one or two of the others did, that he'd probably lent her some money and that she'd run off with that. And that was the end of that relationship. Now, I was a what I call a people watcher. Well, what a lot of people call a people watcher in the pub. I used to love standing at the bar or sitting down at a table and just watching everyone. You know, you get all the different people in a pub. It's quite amazing. You get one chap, he'd come in. He thought he was God's gift to women. He was always checking his hair and, I don't know, looking around, make sure people were looking at him uh another chap he just didn't care what he looked like he'd come in straight from work uh he worked till about seven half seven at night i forget oh he worked at the hospital i think as a porter and he'd just come in he didn't care what he looked like he'd come up lean on the bar and, and then go home when the pub shut at about half eleven i used to love people watching and that's why i used to like watching lucy One evening, I was there a little bit early, and I think the people that I knew in there were a bit late, so I was on my own. And she came in. She came over to me at the bar and started chatting, and she said, oh, I expect you're going to buy me a drink. So I thought, I could have some fun here. So I said, yeah, yeah, certainly, what do you want? I bought her a drink. We we chatted. And she said, oh, we'll have to go out for a drink together. Not here. She said, you know, somewhere else. We'll have to go out for a drink together. How about tomorrow night? I mean, she was very forward very flirtatious type of girl but also very very attractive as I've said I said to her okay yeah tomorrow night what should we do and she gave me her address she said pick me up which I did the following evening I drove around her place picked her up and we went to I forget where the pub was just some pub 
And I think it must have been a, a Wednesday or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But she said, oh, when's your payday? So instantly alarm bells ringing. I said, well, Friday, you know, like everyone else, Friday. Oh, right. Do you earn much? She said, she's going on like this for quite some time. We sat at a table and we were chatting there. And I, anyway, I got her another drink. And she, do you earn much? I said, well, I earn pretty good money, actually. Yes, more than the average, you know. And she said, I'll tell you what we could do on Friday evening. We could go out for a meal. I'd love to go out for a meal somewhere really nice. And I thought, yes, I know. Yeah, and I'm paying for it, obviously. <laughs> so I said, look, um, I'll pick you up Friday and we'll decide then about the meal because I'm not sure about my money. Oh, what do you mean you're not sure about your money? I said, well, I've got a few bills to pay, a bit of a heavy month with bills. So I'm not quite sure how much I'm going to have available. But uh, don't worry, I'll pick you up Friday anyway. Friday came and I picked her up and I said, no, I'm a bit short, actually. So we'll just go out for a drink. Now, she was disappointed, obviously very disappointed. Oh, dear. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. And uh, I mean, I didn't care because I knew her game. I didn't care at all. In fact, I was finding the whole thing <laughs> quite good fun, actually. So we were chatting in the pub and I was eyeing her legs. She wore this short skirt and I thought, hello, uh, this could be interesting. And we got chatting and she said, so what is it about your money? How come you're short of money? And I said, right, what it is, don't tell anyone this. I said, but I've been left some money. And she said, oh, you've been, oh, 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 you've left money. Oh, oh, how much, how much? And I looked around. I said, well, a couple of thousand pounds, actually. But don't, you know, don't go telling anyone. Oh, no, no, I won't. A couple of thousand. I said, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little sum. And she said, oh, it is. Oh, yeah, oh, well. And we get on so well together. She instantly then started on about how good we were together. And she said, oh, I've been telling my friends about, I told my mum about you. And she said, oh, I must meet Ray. He sounds such a nice chap. And I thought, hang on, this is a bit over the top. As soon as she thinks I've got a couple of grand, then, uh, you know, I'm God's gift to women. I'm Mr. Wonderful. Anyway, she said, so when are you getting this money? And I said, well, this is the problem. I said, it's uh, a solicitor involved and there's tax. And oh, I said, you, you wouldn't believe it all goes on and on. I said, the irony of the whole thing is, I've got to pay £60 up front to get this money released and put into my bank. And she said, yes, so what's the problem? I said, well, I haven't got £60 at the moment. I said, I've had a pretty heavy month with bills. I've got the car repairs coming up. I said, I've got all sorts of things coming up. I just don't have £60. Now, this is a bit of a long story and you probably know what I'm going to say. The next time I saw her, we were having a drink in a pub, as you do, or as we seem to, all the time. And she pulled out some notes from her purse, passed it over to me and said, there's £60. Wow, I thought this is it. My plan, which hadn't really been a plan at all, was working. I mean, it wasn't a plan. I hadn't planned anything, but it was working, my kind of non-plan. So she said, there's the £60 to get your two grand released. She said, I want it back. I said, oh, of course, of course, yes. Oh, that's so nice of you. And we had a very good evening. And we parked uh, in the little lover's lane down the road on the way home. Everything was great. And she thought that I was in love. <laughs> and I was not at all. And uh, I made out that I thought she was in love. Oh, fantastic. What a lovely couple. What a wonderful couple. After about a week, she'd been on about the money. And after about a week, she said, well, look, when is it going to be released? I said, well, it's solicitors, you know what it's like. She said, well, no, I don't. I said, well, everyone's slow. You know, there's paperwork to be done. There's forms to be filled in. There's solicitors stuff to go on. I said, it'll happen. You know, don't worry, it will happen. It's just taking time. Another week went by and another week and she's getting a little bit disgruntled. Where is this money? Are you ever going to get this money? I said to her, look, I've heard from the solicitor this morning I had a letter it's imminent. It's going to be in the bank any day now. No problem at all. She said, oh, that's great, because I want to ask you a favour. I said, yeah, well, what's that? Could you lend me £200? I tried not to grin and laugh. I said, oh, oh, that's, that's a lot, £200. She said, well, you're going to get 2000 And I said, yes, uh, it is rather a shock, actually. It's a lot of money. What do you want that for? Oh, well, there's this car, and I'm short, £200 short. You'll get it back. You know, I can pay you back. That's not a problem. I thought, yeah, just like she paid the other chap back. Yeah, right. 
So I said, well, look, let's wait until my money comes through. She said, well, it's quite urgent. The car is for sale and I don't have sort of a great deal of time. I said, well, look, until the money comes through, there's nothing I can do. Of course, another week went by, didn't it? Funny how the time flies past when you're having fun. After another two weeks had gone by, she was really disgruntled. That's it. She said, forget the money, just give me my £60 back. And I could see that she was getting really peeved off. So I said to her, it actually turned up today. It's in the bank today. Oh, thank goodness for that. She was relieved. What about the 200? I said, well, has the car gone? Oh, no, no, it's still there. The chap's hanging on for me. So I said, right, meet me tomorrow in the pub and we'll sort everything out. Now, think back to the chap that was owed £50. Lucy owed him £50. I got to the pub pretty early. I knew he got in there early sometimes. So I went and had a word with him. I said, when you see me with that Lucy thing, and he said, oh, 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 yeah. I said, no, listen, when you see me come in with her, right, keep an eye on me. When I scratch my head, that's the signal. Come and join us. Come and join us at the bar. And he said, well, what's, what's all this about? I said, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. Just do that, OK? I went out to the pub. I went back in again at the appointed time. I stood at the bar. Lucy came in and I bought her a drink. And we were chatting and she's going on and on about this money. So I scratched my head. And this chap, Dave, his name, Dave came over. He said, oh, hello, how are you doing? I said, hello, Dave, yeah, I'm fine, how are you? All right, he said, all right. And he, he looked a bit disgruntled and perplexed by the whole thing. Lucy sort of said, oh, hello. <laughs> she wasn't really pleased to see him. And I said, uh, oh, Lucy, let's sort the money out. I said, now, what do I owe you? She said, you owe me £60. I said, right, let's sort that out. There's 10. And she said, well, what about the other 50? I said, well, hang on, Dave, you, you owe Dave 50? And her face. Dave said, oh, that's right, yeah, she owes me 50. Her face. It was thunder, absolute thunder. So I said to Lucy, look, I owe you 60, so there's 10. And she said, well, what about the other 50? I said, well, hang on, you owe Dave 50. So I gave 50 to Dave. I said, look, that's yours, Dave. Now we're all quits. And he said, oh, oh, cheers. And he did a runner. Well, I say he did a runner. He clutched it in his hand, went back to his table and uh, sat there grinning. <laughs> Big Cheshire cat grin on his face. He was happy. Lucy was fuming. She said, what'd you give him that money for? You owe that to me. I said, well, this is the way to do it. You owed him 50. I owe you 60. We're all quits now, aren't we? We're all OK, aren't we, surely? And she was... I said, well, what's the problem? What do you mean? She said, well, I wasn't going to pay him back. And I thought, oh, well, there's a surprise. Good grief, stone the crows. So I said, why not? She said, well, oh, he wasn't very nice to me. That's why I dumped him. He wasn't very nice to me. So I thought I wouldn't pay him back. I said, but he's a very nice chap. I've known him for ages. I, I didn't at all. I said, I've known him for years. He's a lovely chap, old Dave. Anyway, she wasn't at all happy. But she then obviously remembered this two grand that I supposedly had in the bank. She said, oh, now about the 200 for this car. I said, yes, I've got that in the bank. She said, we well, haven't got it with you. I said, well, no, I'm not carrying that sort of money around. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to lend it. Oh, oh, I need that money. Can you get it tomorrow? And she's going on like this. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it tomorrow. Of course, I, I didn't get it the next day. I did see her a few times and I spun these kind of stories and lies. Oh, I couldn't get it out of the bank, blah, blah, blah. All this rubbish I came out with. In the end, she realised what I was doing, just sort of playing her along taking her up lover's lane, keeping the whole thing going. <laughs> and that was it. I didn't see her again. She disappeared. That was rather a lengthy story that I don't normally, as you know, I don't normally bore you with such a long tale. Uh, I will just add that I did see her about 10 years later, bumped into her in town. And yeah, she recognised me and I, I said, oh, hi, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. Oh, hello, Ray. All friendly and chatty. And uh, she said, oh, I'm married. I've... Uh, married with a couple of kids. I said, oh, that's great. You fell in love at last with someone and settled down. She said, oh, I didn't fall in love. I don't like him. I said, what do you mean you don't like him? Well, your husband, you don't like him. She said, I only married him for his money. I thought, oh, yes, that makes sense. Yeah, well done, Lucy. That makes all the sense in the world. And she said, oh, thinking back, she said, you conned me, didn't you? I said, me? Con you? What, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I knew what she meant. She said, that money, that, that I wasn't going to give that bloke back. 
She said, you planned all that. And I said, no, actually, I didn't. I said, it just happened. I said, I knew that you owed him 50 quid. I said, so I thought I'd get 50 quid from you and give it to him just to wind you up. And she said, well, it did wind me up big time. And then she went on to say, that was clever. She said, I've never forgotten that. That's clever, that is. We could be good together. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, working together. I said, working? Where'd you work then? She said, no, no, no. Ripping people off for cash. She said, that was good. I admire that. If we work together. I said, no, no, stop there. She really wanted me to, I don't know, con people and rip people off. She did say, look, meet me tomorrow night for a drink, which I did. Because I wanted to know a little bit more about her. I wanted to find out what made her tick. And don't forget, she was extremely attractive and Lover's Lane was only down the road. I met her quite a few times after that, where she wasn't happy at home. I think her husband had someone else, so I suppose we took advantage of each other. We were good together, actually. She was stunningly attractive. I was an extremely handsome... uh, Hang on, we're going into the realms of fantasy now. (laughs) Right, we'll end that one there. Sorry to have bored you. Let's move on. Actually, I will just tell you one more quick story about... uh, women of the, uh, not of the night, uh, of the money-grabbing nature. I met this woman, it wasn't a girl this time, this woman bumped into her, literally bumped into her outside a shop. She'd just bought a newspaper and she was talking about what something on the front page of the paper, I forget what it was. And we both got chatting about that, found it quite interesting. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll try my luck here. So I said, would you like to continue the conversation perhaps this evening in the pub? There was a pub just down the road. I'd only lived around the corner, so it was my, my kind of local again at the time. And she said, oh, yeah, I'd like that very much. So we arranged to meet. I got there a little bit early. And she was there already, so she was quite keen. And we, we sat down with our drinks. And we were just talking. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is quite nice. Someone to talk to about intellectual things here rather than... The young girls were great. Don't get me wrong. The young girls were great. But uh, <laughs> I better not say too much, had I? Anyway, you know what I mean. And we were having quite a good old chat about the the world, putting the world to rights and all this. And then she said, have you got any money? So I said, "Uh, I've only got a few pounds on me. Why? What did you want to do? She said, no, I mean, have you got any other money? And I I said, "Um, how how do you mean? Sorry, I'm not with you. I was literally confused because she just suddenly came out of the blue with this. Have you got any money? And she said, well, in the bank. Instantly. Lucy, I'm thinking, Lucy, who is this? Is this a friend of Lucy? Is this Lucy reincarnated? So I said, uh, well, I've got some, yeah, why? She said, I want to borrow a couple of hundred pounds. And I thought, hello, that figure rings a bell. This is Lucy reincarnated. <laughs> oh, dear. So I said, uh, I'm afraid my money's tied up. I was good at lying. I was very good at lying in those days. and I'm even better at lying these days. And she said, oh, I only wanted a couple of hundred just to borrow it for a week or two for a, what was it, a a business idea I'm investing in. And I thought, a business idea she's investing in, this does not sound good. Alarm bells ringing. Anyway, I saw her a few times after that and she kept on about this money and this business thing she wanted to invest some money in. And I basically knew nothing about her. I didn't know where she lived or anything. So I said, look, I'll come round to your house or wherever and we'll have a chat. So she gave me the address and I arranged to go around there the following evening. So I rang the doorbell and this woman answered. I thought, who's she? She said, oh, you must be Ray, come in. So I followed her through the hall into the lounge. And she said, oh, Ray's here now, so uh, I'll clear off and leave you in peace. There are a couple of kids playing on the lounge floor. I assume they were her kids and she was going to take them off and leave uh, leave us two in peace. As she said, she looked at me and sort of indicated for me to go with her, to follow her. I followed her through the hall and I said, oh, I'll open the door for you, wondering what on earth was going on. And she said to me, don't give her any money. Don't give her any money. So I said, what, what do you mean? Don't give her any money. And she slipped me a piece of paper with her phone number on. And that was it. She left. So I went back into the lounge and I'm looking at uh, the kids on the floor and uh, the first thing that came up, oh, about the money, she said. I said, oh, whose kids? Oh, they're mine. What? They're your kids? They were, what, I don't know, six and eight years old, something like that. 
I said, I, I didn't know you had children. Oh, didn't I mention it? No, you didn't mention it. I said, hang on, I've, I've left my cigarettes in the car. I hadn't at all. I said, I'll be back in a second. I did a runner. Luckily, she didn't know where I lived. I did a runner. As a friend of mine said when I told him about it a couple of days later, tis a tangled web we weave. I don't know what I saved myself from there. I just about got out of that in time. I don't know what would have happened. I didn't phone the other woman, the what I thought well, must have been a babysitter woman. I didn't phone her. I thought, I'm not, not going to get involved with her. Good grief. I've never told anyone this, but there was another incident, if you can call it an incident. I was uh, in the pub. As Yes, I did spend a lot of time in the pub in those days, and why not? I was young, footloose, fancy free. <laughs> anyway, this young woman came in, and I saw her looking at me. She came in, went up to the bar, bought herself a drink. I saw her glancing over a few times, and she eventually sort of moved closer, sidled along the bar up to me, and she said, are you Ray? I said, yes, I am. Oh, hello, I, I'm Rachel. We've got a mutual friend. I said, oh, OK. And she mentioned someone's name, some chap's name. I'd never heard of him. So I just said, oh, yeah, right, fair enough. I was intrigued. I didn't say well, I'd never heard of him. I just thought, let's see what this is about. We just started chatting. She said she worked in some office somewhere, insurance thing somewhere. And I told her what I did. We're just, just chatting. And you know, she was quite pleasant, actually. Sort of mid-twenties, I suppose. Um, dark hair, nicely dressed, had flares on, flared jeans. You remember flares? They are the happy days, the good old days. And uh, a sort of hippie-type bl uh, blouse, which was embroidered, you know, with, um, like, flowers and stuff. Looked like a bit of a, a hippie-type person, which I quite liked because I was a bit of a hippie myself. After a while, she said, uh, oh, let's go and sit at a table because didn't want to be standing up all the time. And we sat down and she said, uh, you live in Goldsmith Lane, don't you? So I just said, yes, that's right, Goldsmith Lane, I don't live there. And my intrigue really was growing now. I thought she's obviously mixed me up with someone else, but she knew my name. So I said, how did you know me when you came into the pub? And she said, oh, well, our, our friend, Paul, someone rather, I can't remember the name. She said, oh, he told me that you're often in here and uh, what you look like. And she said, I, yeah, I saw you, immediately realised that you're, you're the Ray that he's talking about. She went on to say that uh, he reckoned that I was uh, single, you know, and looking for company. She said, uh, I'm in the same sort of situation myself, so I thought I'd say hello to you. It all seemed rather odd, to, well, very odd to me. The whole thing was a bit weird. Some woman walking into the pub, coming over to me, mutual friend, knows my name, got some address, I don't know, it just all seemed rather odd to me. So I thought I'd play along with it. Well, why not? Nothing to lose. I was single, footloose and fancy free. So why not have a bit of fun? After oh, an hour or so, something like that, she said, Look, I've got to go. I've got some work to do uh, at home. She said, how about meeting up somewhere tomorrow? And she mentioned this little pub. I said, yeah, I know the pub, you mean. Half seven? I said, yeah, OK, I'll see you there about half seven. And off she went. I wandered into the pub the following day, this little pub, which wasn't too far from where I lived, actually. And she was already there sitting at a table. So I went over. She'd already got herself a drink. I said, OK, I'll get myself a beer back in a minute. When I came back to the table with my drink, I went to sit down and she said, no, sit this side of me. Uh, OK, fair enough. Does it make any difference which side of her I sit? <laughs> this is weird. I mean, she was lovely. You know, she's a lovely sort of looking person and... Uh, we chatted quite a lot. I got on quite well with her. But there were these weird little things, little incidents, like sit this side of me, not that side. Did it matter? Anyway, I sat where she wanted me to and she started putting her head on my shoulder and holding my hand and putting her arm around me. And I thought, well, you know, this is OK. This this is good. It could be my, my, <laughs> my lucky night. But I still had this nagging feeling there was something wrong. And that was confirmed when she's kissing my cheek and she's getting closer and closer to me. And I happened to notice in, in this pub, there were some sort of big palm tree type things. And I happened to notice, I think they were plastic, a chap sitting behind one of these palm trees. And as I glanced over there, I could have sworn he had a camera. I was 99% sure he had a camera and he was taking a photograph or photographs of us. 
that's when I really did start thinking, you know, what is going on here? I didn't want to say anything to her because she'd probably deny that she knew him and lie and stuff. So I thought I'd just play the game. I'd just go along with the game. He took a couple more photos and I, I felt that she was getting me to pose almost or getting us to pose. She was kissing my cheek and I could see her glancing at this corner where the chap was. And that's obviously why she wanted me to sit there because I was in a perfect sort of setting for him to take photos. Later on, he disappeared. Later on, outside the pub, I was just, uh, we wandered out and just saying goodbye to her and saying, you know, will I see you again? I could see her glancing again. I mean, she if she was a private detective, which at that stage I thought she must be, well, she wasn't very professional, totally amateurish, to be honest, because I saw her glancing. I followed her glance and there's the chap with the camera hiding behind a car, taking photos of us. And she's kissing me and all over me and things and... I said, well, I see you again. She said, oh, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. And I thought, no, this is because she's got what she wanted. She's got the photographs. But who are they for? I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a girlfriend. Who are they for? <laughs> I obviously realised that she'd made a mistake. She got the wrong person, but she got the right name. I held her in my arms and said, look, I'd really like to see you again. You know, how about this Friday? And she said she was reluctant. She said, oh, OK, I'll meet you here again. I said, yeah, meet me here on Friday. And she said, OK, about half seven, same time. And she said, I might not be able to stay too long because I do shift work. And she didn't do shift work. She told me she worked in an office. She just said that she had to go home to do some work. Now she's doing shift work. She was obviously making all this up as she went along. But we'd agreed to meet there on the Friday at half seven. The photographer, I noticed, had disappeared and I watched her get into her car and I waited, I went over to my car, I waited till she drove off and I followed her at a, a really good distance and I was thinking as I was following her, who's the better private detective, her or me? And as she pulled into it like a garage compound, a, a sort of half a dozen garages in a, in a block, she pulled in there and parked her car. I stopped just outside in the road. I, I peered around the, the brick wall of one of the garages and I saw her lock up her car, go through a little alleyway. So I followed her. I felt like I was in the films, you know. Uh, I was in a film and this is a private detective and I'm the baddie and I've got a gun and stuff. <laughs> stupid. I was stupid then. Well, I'm stupid now, why not? <laughs> anyway, I saw her go through this alley and I noticed which, there's about six houses, obviously for the six garages. And I saw which one she went into. She had a key, let herself in. So I thought, right, Missy, I've got your address. Probably hadn't got her proper name. I doubted that Rachel was her proper name, but I knew where she lived. Now, I think that was Tuesday. It must have been Tuesday because the reason I'd said Friday is I just wanted to go and ask someone something, which I did. I went into my, my regular pub and I said to the landlord there, do you know anyone that lives in Goldsmiths Lane? He said, yeah, Ray does, the other Ray, Ray Jones. I said, ah, right, I knew of him. I didn't know him that well, knew him to say hello to, but he was a, a regular in my local pub. The landlord said he would be in later. He said, why? Why do you want to know? I said, oh, well, there was just some mix up. Someone thought I was him or he was me or something. A bit later, this Ray came in and I told him the whole story. I said what had happened. And he said, I know what this is all about. He said, it's my wife. She's trying to set me up. He said, I've never committed adultery. I've never been unfaithful to her. He said, but she's trying to set me up. And I said, well, why would she do that? Apparently, he reckoned that she had been seeing someone else for about a year. Uh, she wanted him out of the house. She wanted to stay there. He said, it's a shame. We've only been married five years. He said, it's such a shame. But he also said that he wasn't surprised. So she was obviously trying to do him for adultery. Photographs of him with another woman kissing in the car park, sitting in the pub, all that business. And I said, well, what's going <laughs> to happen when she's eventually shown the photographs of me with some other woman? She doesn't even know me. And he said, well, he said, if it wasn't so tragic, he said it would be hilarious. And we both laughed. He did laugh actually quite a lot. He said, I'd love to see her face when she's shown the photographs. I said, well, <laughs> so would I. But it was all so sad. I met Rachel on the Friday in the pub as, a, as agreed, as arranged. And she seemed very nervous. She said, look, I really like you. We were having a drink. I really like you. And I said, yeah, I really like you. I said, we could be good together. Of course, I knew everything at that stage, obviously. 
And she said, oh, I feel really bad. I feel so bad. I feel so guilty. And I, I said, what's the matter? And she said, oh, dear, this is terrible. I wish I'd never got involved. And I said, well, we're not involved. You know, I was playing along. I said, we're not involved. Oh, I don't mean us. I don't mean that. It's something else I've got myself involved in. I wish I hadn't got involved. So I said, look, whatever it is, talk about it. Tell me. And she wouldn't, of course. She finished her drink and said, look, I've got to go. I'm going back up north tomorrow. I only came down on this particular job. Well, that was all light. I mean, she was hopeless. Shift work and then working from home. Now she's working up north. She's only come down. She's going back tomorrow. All rubbish. So I just said, OK, fair enough. I said, yeah, shame. Could have been good together. Us two could have got to know each other more, but not to worry. And off she went. She left. I saw the other Ray, Ray Jones, in a pub a few days later. And he said, well, the photographs arrived. I said, oh, right, yeah, what happened? He said he got in from work and uh, she was on the phone. He, she hadn't heard him come in. And she's on the phone saying, how could you do this? How could you get it so wrong? I'm not paying you a penny. He said she was ranting and raving on the phone, going mad, saying, I'm not paying you. He said it was obviously the private detective she was speaking to. Uh, and he was laughing and I mean I laughed but it, I don't know it wasn't funny but it was so I said well did she say anything to you he said yeah she said to me I'm leaving she already had her cases packed so she went and grabbed those from the, the I think it was a dining room or wherever and she said right that's it I'm off and she left and he said I haven't seen her since I haven't heard of her since and she's gone so I said, well, look, this is all so sad. And I said, the private detective woman, I said, I think she feels guilty. And uh, he laughed. He said, oh, I wish I had met her. I said, well, no, because then you'd be done for adultery. And he said, well, yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, we had a good evening in the pub, chatting about it all, laughing, and what if this and what if that. And uh, eventually, a couple of weeks went by. It was all over. And that was the end of the story. Except... I still had this little nagging thing in my mind about Rachel. I knew where she lived, or I knew at least where she had been staying, and I had to see her. I went round to her house. I know it, I shouldn't have done it, but I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to go round there and knock on her door. I want to see her face. When she opened her door and stared at me, I could see that she was stunned, absolutely shocked. She just stood there, physically trembling, her mouth hanging open, her wide eyes staring at me in a state of shock. I said, hi, Rachel, can I come in? And she just stepped to one side and ushered me in. She closed the door. I followed her through to the lounge and she waved at a chair. So I sat down. She hadn't said anything. And she just stood in the centre of the room looking at me. And I said, sorry for the intrusion. Eventually, she said, how do you know where I live? So I said, well, I think I'm the better detective, don't you? <laughs> and I laughed. And she was just shaking her head. She went and poured herself a drink. I think it was vodka or gin or something. Some clear liquid. She knocked that back. She was. I could see her hands were shaking. Then she offered me a beer. She said, they're in the kitchen, in the fridge, help yourself. So I wandered through and got a beer. Came back. She was sitting down. So I sat down. And I said, I'm oh, sorry about this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sort of give you a heart attack. She said, you just really frightened me to death. How on earth did you find out? I said, well, it was easy. I just followed you home from the pub. It's simple. I did feel sorry for her as she told me the story. She said she'd set up as a private detective, hired this photographer chap, got it all wrong. And I said, well, surely, you know, you would have got a, a photograph from the, the wife of the husband. So you knew who you were looking for, not just go up to some random bloke in the pub who happens to have the same name. And she said, oh, I know I'm no good at it. Oh, I'm no good. And she had to pay the photographer because it wasn't his fault. She'd had to pay him. She'd have to give the woman her, her money back. She said, I've just made a right mess of the whole thing. We actually uh, stayed in touch for quite some time. We went out together for quite some time. We got on extremely well. What happened? What, I mean, that's basically the end of the story. It was just a fantastic story. Talk about truth stranger than fiction. You couldn't make that up, could you? As they say, as the saying goes, you couldn't make that up. It really was a fantastic experience for me. I mean, I found it all intriguing, then I found it funny, then I found it sad. The chap, Ray Jones, he, um, I, I kept in touch with him because we became good friends. He eventually remarried, had a couple of children, and you know, he was happy. I don't know what happened to his wife, gone off with a milkman or whatever she did. <laughs> 
But uh, there we are. That's that little tale. I've never told anyone that. Never told anyone that in, in my life. So uh, I don't know. It's something that I've often thought about. And you, how you think back and I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder what she's doing now, you know. I wonder what that Rachel's... That was her name, actually. That was her name, Rachel. I mean, I never knew her surname and I'm going back decades. So she's probably... I don't know where she is. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Did I mention it? She said that was her first ever private detective job. That was her first ever and for first and last job. I, oh, dear, what a mess. I did say to her, actually... Um, I wouldn't have done it. I said, but, you know, I, I make a far better detective. I said, we should have teamed up together and set up our own agency. Do you know, I don't think back then, I'm not sure about now. I think anyone could just set up as a private detective. I don't think you needed any license or whatever. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure back then you could just do that. I mean, people used to set themselves up as all sorts of things back in those days. I think there are some rules and regulations and stuff now but uh, there we are that's a, <laughs> a fantastic story that sometimes I I look back on happy days I said at the very beginning of this episode that uh, not all gold diggers not all money grabbers are female and they're not I knew this chap he was going out with a girl and her parents had a lot of money they really were well to do and he was always saying to me, oh, they've got loads of money. Her parents, they're loaded. And he said to me one evening, I'm trying to get her to buy me a car. So I said, oh, right, OK, well, that, that'd be nice. He said, yeah, a decent second-hand car. And he said, that's the only reason I'm staying with her. And I, I said, oh, don't you? I thought you two were getting on well. Oh, no, he said, no, she's too snooty, hoity-toity for me. He said, all I want out of it is her money. And I thought, well, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, good grief. So she did actually uh, get him this car. It was, uh, I forget what car, was it a Triumph Vitesse? Do you remember the Triumph Vitesse? I think it was a six-cylinder engine, a nice car, uh, second-hand, but it was a really nice car and quite expensive because, yeah, they weren't cheap. It wasn't just like a, a second-hand old Morris Thousand. With all due respect to Morris Thousand, they're lovely. I wouldn't mind one of those now, actually. Cheap to run, simple you know, insurance. I think, don't think there's any tax. No, you don't pay road tax because it's over a certain age, 25 years. Anyway, I'm rambling. So she bought him this car. And a couple of weeks after he'd had the car, he dumped her. And he was telling me this in the pub. He said, oh, this is great. I've got the car. I've got rid of her. I've got the car. And I really didn't like that at all. I thought that was a nasty trick. He really was a nasty person. He wasn't particularly a friend of mine, just someone I knew in the pub. But uh, after that, I thought, no, I don't want to know him. That's, that's not nice at all. Now, karma, instant karma. Was that, who sang that? Uh, John Lennon, wasn't it? Instant karma. Beatles. Anyway, he told me one evening in the pub, he came in, he wasn't looking happy. He said, my car's been stolen. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's the result. I was quite pleased. I said, oh dear. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Try not to laugh. And he said, uh, the trouble is, he said, I told the police and they came round, took the details, blah, 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 and off they went. He said, a few hours later, this copper came back and he said, this car of yours that's been stolen, he said, it's not your car. So I said, what do you mean it wasn't your car? Why did he say that? He said, it was her car. I said, well, didn't you have a logbook? He said, well, no, she didn't give me a logbook. He was a bit, uh, well, I won't say thick. Uh, he, I don't know. He was a bit stupid. She'd kept the logbook. The car was in her name. So, so this copper said, what's going on here? You know, you've reported your car as being stolen. It's not your car. It belongs to this Miss whoever so-and-so girl. And uh, he, he said that the, the copper was quite you know, angry with him and wanted to know what on earth was going on. So he explained it was a present, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I won't go into all the details about the police, but basically what had happened, the girl, who had a spare key to the car, had just gone round to his house picked it up, he'd driven off and gone home in it because, you know, the cops went round there and she said, well, it's my car. And actually, they said to her, did he steal it? <laughs> she could have said yes. But she said, no, no, I lent it to him. You know, it's my car. I just lent it to him. So he didn't get the car. Good on her. I thought that was absolutely, that made my day. That made my week, in fact. And that, uh, that that's karma, isn't it? Instant karma. Well, not instant. A week or two of karma. <laughs> Fantastic. You'll never guess what, the dustmen are here.
Goodness me. Listen to those bottles. It's all the alcoholics. <laughs> That's funny. Now, this next little tale is true. I mean, everything I tell you is true. I might, I change names sometimes, uh, like Ray Jones. That was, his last name wasn't Jones. I couldn't change his Christian name, obviously, because it's the same as mine. That was the whole thing. I knew this girl. Here we go. You're saying, what girl? Now, hang on. I just knew she was a, a, a friend, a girl friend, not a girlfriend. There is a, <laughs> there is a difference. And she told me this little story, a friend of hers collected engagement rings. So I said, what do you mean she collected engagement rings? And she said, well, basically what she does, she'll meet a chap, get engaged. As soon as she's got the ring, uh, a week or two later, dump him and get rid of him and keep the ring. I said, well, that's, that's not very nice, is it? There are some not very nice people out there, aren't there, when you think about it? I mean, don't get me wrong, not all the, the girls and everyone I met, they weren't all gold diggers and trying to con people out of, out of money and jewellery and stuff. I did meet some quite nice people in my time, as well as the villains. So she said what, uh, what this girl was doing was collecting engagement rings and she got six. She collected six. She wanted to buy a decent second-hand car and she thought that was a way to do it. Keep getting engaged to various people, get diamond engagement rings for them, dump them, and eventually take the jewellery along to the, the jeweller, sell it to him, get a few hundred quid and go and buy herself a car. Anyway, the story is she, <laughs> she went along to the jeweller with the six rings and he put his little eyeglass in and he's going, mm, oh, I see, mm, interesting. Put one aside, next one, ah, mm, yes, oh, interesting. Put that aside. He put four of them to one side and the other two, oh, oh, I, mm, ah, the other two, he put the other side. She told her friend all what happened in the, the jewellers and she's telling me all about it with all the, mm, mm, the sound effects as well, <laughs> just to make it all more interesting, I suppose. She was good. She was good. I quite liked her. She was only a friend. So anyway, the girl said to the jeweller, right, so you know, what do you think? And he said, well, he said, these two here, that's the two he'd put to one side. He said, these two here, I can give you £10 each for them. And she said, oh, oh, is that £10? He said, well, they're, they're just nothing. You know, they really are just cheap rings. They're, they're just sort of not worth anything, really. And she said, oh, well, OK. Well, well what about the other four, the, the ones you've put over there? Ah, he said, now those I don't want. And she said, what do you mean you don't want them? He said, well, because they're not worth anything. They're paste. They're costume jewellery. And uh, I mean, I don't know what, do you know what paste is? I think it's some sort of stone. It's not paste, is it? Like you mix up wallpaper paste. It's some sort of stone. Anyway, it doesn't matter what it is. It's not worth anything. So apparently she grabbed her rings and stormed out of the shop. She went to another jeweller and he said the same thing. So, uh, you know, she did, did confirm what he'd said. And she was fuming. And apparently... This girl was telling me that her friend rang her previous boyfriend, the last boyfriend, and said, you told me it was a diamond ring. <laughs> and apparently he laughed. Anyway, this girl I was talking to, she said, I don't know how the, the boys knew. She said, perhaps someone tipped them off. Each, time, you know, each one that came along about to get engaged to, perhaps someone tipped them off. And she grinned and winked at me. <laughs> so I like that. I don't know how true it is. I mean, I, I wasn't involved, but uh, I, I did believe her, you know, when she was telling me this. I suppose that can quite easily happen, can't That can quite easily happen. Oh, dear. I don't know. It's all funny. It's all good fun, isn't it? The only time I've ever been conned, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, I was uh, in a pub. I went up to the bar to get a drink and this girl came and stood next to me and she said, oh, you're going to buy me a drink? And I thought, oh, hello, this is good. So I said, yeah, certainly. I'll never forget, vodka and lime is what she wanted. So I bought her the vodka and lime, got myself a pint of beer, paid. This chap came up next to her. He'd been to the loo or something. And she said, oh, he just bought me a drink. And he said, cheers, mate, that's nice of you. And they went and sat down. That was a con. He obviously knew what you, oh, dear. I must admit, I wasn't cross or annoyed. I thought it was quite a good trick, actually, because I looked over and she's looking at me. And I did smile. I thought, yeah, that's good. I like that. Got an email here from Gary. He said, just listen to your midweek message about uh, gold diggers. 
And he says that he knows uh, a, a chap, a friend of his, years and years ago, back in the 70s, he was seeing this other chap's wife. This other chap was one of the lads in the pub. And he was seeing this other chap's wife. And this went on for three years. He said it was awful, really, because people in the pub, you know, the immediate sort of friends in the pub, they knew what was going on. This girl would come in with her husband and this chap who was seeing his wife was sort of, oh, hello, how are you? All friendly and that, winking at his wife. And he said that the whole situation was awful. It was dreadful. Eventually, this husband found out and uh, they got divorced. So the girl thought that she'd you know go with this chap that she'd had on the side for all these years. Anyway, he didn't want to know. He'd By then, he'd got someone else. It's a bit of a strange story, this Gary. Some years later, he was married. That's this chap that had been seeing the other chap's wife. He got married and his wife was seeing someone else in the pub. Do you understand all that? It's a bit, perhaps I haven't explained it too well. So the whole thing was reversed. The whole thing was all back to front. His wife was seeing some other chap in the pub. And they, of course, they eventually split up. But he said, um, Gary was saying that it's awful the way some people carry on. You know, what is it with people? All this adultery and, every, of course, everyone's after money. And also, Gary's mentioned using children in you know, divorce cases or whatever as weapons, you know, weaponizing the children, as he's put it. It is dreadful. It's a shame, isn't it? You know, when people start off, they get married, then it ends up like that. Anyway, there we are. That's another one. Thanks for that, Gary. Talking of money and the rest of it, gold diggers. I just remembered, uh, I didn't know the chap myself, but I heard about this chap. Do you remember in, I don't know, decades ago, if uh, parents, they, they were getting on a bit, they would sign the house over to their son or daughter and that would save inheritance tax. Is it later on you save money and if they go into a home, the house can't be taken to pay for the home? Something like that. I forget all the details. And this chap... His mother left him, you know, signed the house over to him. And of course, she was going to live in it until she passed away. But the thing is, the minute it was his house, he threw her out and sold it. Can you believe that? Your own mother. She'd left him the house. He threw her out and put her in a home. I mean, that's awful. I don't know any of the details. I just heard that. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how anyone can do that sort of thing. You know, his own mother threw her out and sold the house. Absolutely despicable, really, isn't it? Dreadful. Let's hope karma gets him. Perhaps it did in the end. Karma does work. And perhaps I ought to do a, a whole episode on karma. What is the common denominator? I've just been thinking about this. What is the common denominator throughout this whole episode? It's money, isn't it? It's all down to money. You know, people wanting cash the woman wanting to have her husband done for adultery so she could throw him out of the house and keep the house, collecting engagement rings to get the money, borrowing money from people and not paying it back. It's all down to money, isn't it? They say money is the root of all evil. There's another saying that the lack of money is the root of all evil, which makes more sense to me anyway. I was just about to end the episode. I've had another email from Juliet. That's a nice name, Romeo and Juliet. Yes, I like that. Anyway, hello, Juliet. You're just in time. I've only just this minute got your email. She once had a boyfriend, she says here, many decades ago. He was always after drinks for nothing. You know, you get a group of them going to the pub. He'd make sure he was the last one. The first one would go up to the bar and say, right, what's everyone having? He always made sure he was, oh, just going to nip into the toilet or he was at the back of the crowd so he didn't have to buy around. She said he was always doing that sort of thing. If anyone's got cigarettes, he would take other people's cigarettes. Then someone might say to him, oh, splash the ash. Do you remember that? Splash the ash. Oh, I haven't got any. I have to get some in a minute. I have one of yours. I'll get some in a minute. Well, he did have some. He was that sort of person. She said that's why she ended up getting rid of him. <laughs> she put it, getting rid of him. I like that. I wonder how you got rid of him. Do you, you don't know. Nothing, nothing serious, Hope. You just left him. Now, what happened is they did a kind of syndicate thing. You remember the football pools in the old days? They all did the football pools. Now, he wasn't prepared to spend whatever it was, a pound a week, 10 shillings a week. He wouldn't do that. Oh, no, no, no. So they won, didn't they? They won. She doesn't say how much. A considerable amount of money. 
And of course, he wanted his cut. And they're saying, well, hang on, you're not in. You've not paid. That's when she got rid of him, as she put it. Apparently, he never spoke to any of his mates again because uh, they wouldn't share the money. And as she says, quite rightly so, he wouldn't pay in to the syndicate every week. And when they won, obviously, he didn't get any of the money. Had he, I mean, I did know someone that was paying into something every week at work in the office and they'd been off work ill for a couple of weeks and hadn't paid in. They did win quite a lot of money and they shared it with her. And you know she was eternally grateful, of course. She'd missed a couple of payments because she'd been ill. She'd been in hospital. So I think that was, you know, that was admirable, really, wasn't it? When you think about it, they could have said to her, well, you haven't paid, so you're not getting a share. So that was brilliant. But this chap, he hadn't paid in, so he didn't get a penny. And uh, again, uh, that's karma, isn't it? That is karma. That's how it works. Right, I think we're heading towards the hour, so I shall end it. If you want to email me, it'd be great to hear from you with ideas and suggestions. Raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants at protonmail.com. 19th of July is getting closer, if you live in the UK. That's when lockdown ends, I think... I believe just about everything is coming to an end. There are going to be pubs and clubs open and all sorts of things happening outside where people can gather. So that's good at long last. And masks, apparently wearing a mask is going to be uh, your own decision. If you want to wear one, do so. If you don't, then don't. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Right, I'm off now. The sun has come out at last. It's stopped raining. So I'm going to go and have a look in the garden. Oh, one more thing before I go. Do you remember I said there was a, a robin at the top of a pine tree at the back of our place, singing his heart out? I won't play recordings anymore. There was, I looked up there, there was a wren. Did I tell you that? I, I can't remember what I've told you and what I haven't. But there was a wren. I looked through my binoculars and it was a wren. Now it's a robin again. So I, I really, <laughs> I really don't know what's going on. I was hoping someone are there any twitchers out there is that what they're called bird watchers twitchers i was a bird watcher in my teens but uh, not feathered birds <laughs> stop it now listen let's be serious i did think someone would contact me and say ah that bird song you play that's a whatever a wren or a robin or a blackbird but no one's commented so i would assume there are no twitchers amongst you never mind take care it's been great fun making this episode interesting telling these strange tales of gold diggers and things i shall see you all next wednesday for the midweek message and then the following sunday thanks for listening bye bye for now